Welcome to Unlapped. We're excited to have you back for another exciting year of Formula One. Katie George alongside Nate Saunders and Lawrence Edmondson. A much needed break between seasons. Laz, I'll start with you. How's the break been going for you between? Um, it's been good actually, yeah. Uh, as much as I do love Formula One, it is nice to get back home and remember that you've got friends and family and actually go and see them face to face. So that's been uh, very pleasant. But um, yeah, I feel like in some ways it hasn't stopped. We've had like a number of news stories ticking over um, over the winter. And uh, I know you and Nate were uh, discussing Gunter Steiner's departure earlier this mm-hmm. week on, on YouTube. Well, sorry, last week. Um, but we'll talk more about that. Um, but yeah, it's been good. I'm, but I'm excited to get back into it. And it feels like everything now is just a few weeks away with launches coming up and then testing in the first race. Nate, I know that you've uh, been on break, but a little bit busy as we met last week to break down the breaking news that was. You're also on site, I believe, today with McLaren for an event. Can you give us a little tease as to what was going down on site? I can indeed, yeah. So I was um, in Woking, which is um, just west of London for people, for geography fans listening. Um, <laughs> and uh, McLaren, quite early actually, have uh, their, well, they have an event that they were they told us not to tell anyone what's happening, but something's coming out tomorrow that you'll see all season as their car drives around the track. Um, you can guess what that might be. It won't. Be, it won't be the full, the full shebang. Basically, their their livery is coming out. I don't think. I don't think we're breaking any news, but um, we got to see that, and it's interesting because usually um, teams do that kind of into, you know, into February. There's kind of a week or two where everything's clustered together, and we used to get with Haas. They used to uh, just release a rendering of the livery of their car um kind of around this kind of time maybe late january and actually i always felt that the team that did that kind of got the most press exposure because you you're kind of out on your own and that's the only car that's around for even if it's kind of the same it's like you know people get that hunger back for for seeing new things um so so yeah that was pretty great and we we spoke to zach brown and uh andres uh, seidel as well nearly said andreas stella should be over that mistake by now um uh, yeah, so um, Stella and Brown uh, in good form, actually. And I think McLaren's going to be one of the teams we're talking about a lot this season. So that was pretty cool. And um, I was just joking to you guys before we started recording. McLaren's kind of become the unofficial season launch in my head because yeah. we always seem to end up there kind of mid to late January. Um, an incredible place. Um, you know, it's kind of, we've talked about it before, haven't we? But something out of a sci-fi movie. Always very cool to go. Um, but yeah, Lawrence is right. You know, just before you know it you're back back in talking about formula one i think the the steiner news last week was the kind of the jolt back into things that a lot of a lot of us in the media needed you say a yeah, bit well, like get... out of a sci-fi movie the mclaren place is actually in and that's that's the, that's right the, sorry yeah, yeah quite literally from a Disney sci-fi plus movie. series um and uh yeah very exciting it is too sorry i just wanted to jump in there and no 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 i mean that's it a, is that cool absolutely fair clarification it's in sci-fi for real Remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, like this video, leave us a comment and don't forget to subscribe to ESPN for more F1 content. And if you're listening, hit us with a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. It means a great deal to the three of us. You guys obviously mentioned the news. Laz, we haven't gotten your take on Gunther Steiner and Haas parting ways. Um, He will not be the team principal for 2024. If you hadn't heard that news, I think you're living under a rock at this point. Nate gave us some great insight, you know, last week when the story broke Now that we've kind of had a week to digest and we've heard different comments from Gene Haas as well as Gunther, how do you feel about the move, Laz? Um, I'm still not convinced it's the right decision, um, but it does seem like basically it came down to uh, 
a disagreement on where the team should go further. I think Gunter was looking for has to invest a lot more in their infrastructure. What we've got to remember about that team is that it is unusual in that rather than being a team that has um, everything in one place at one site, it's kind of split across three or four places. They've got their design office in Marinello, actually at Ferrari's factory. They've got their main kind of uh, like race hub and base where they, they keep the cars and everything in Banbury in the UK. Uh, they've got a base out in the United States, uh, you know, as part of the wider Haas uh, racing operation and has automation and then the chassis itself is built by Delara in Italy and so um, it feels well you know for, for a while that seemed to work it's obviously very cost effective to do it that way and that you keep your overall cost down but I think there is um, perhaps it's not always the most efficient way in the you know when you are requiring Delara to build your chassis and build certain components to go on the car um, you're reliant on on that third party and, and obviously you're paying them to do that rather than having the machines in-house that can do that and then uh with um with ferrari you know they they get the engine the gearbox but also a lot of suspension well basically all the suspension components off ferrari as much as they can take under the rules from ferrari so again you're kind of reliant on on another team and there's, there's no other team now that is quite as reliant on another in the way that Haas is on on ferrari and and other suppliers so i feel like while that worked for a period um it's probably not going to work going into the future, especially when you look at the investment other teams are putting into their own factories, their own facilities, their own capability in, in creating things. And and for, for a long time, I feel like a lot of teams in Formula One were definitely underperforming or were underfunded. And that's why I think Haas, when they first joined, could finish you know quite high in the championship. Fifth or sixth was realistic. But now I think given the resources they have, uh, they're down around ninth and tenth. And uh, Gunter hasn't really been completely explicit about what he said uh, with with Jean going into these uh, conversations about his future there, but it does seem to be that it was a case that he was suggesting they do more, and Jean wasn't uh, willing to um, to do that, and thinks that the operation they have at the moment can do much better than it is, and that last year and finishing last in the championship was a, a you know a kind of failure in in, in many respects. So um, clearly, with that difference in opinion uh there was a split and um it was the end of Gunther's contract anyway and so the contract wasn't renewed and, and he was pushed out but um I think Ayukamatsu the man coming in to replace Gunther has got a massive job on his hands uh to to turn around that team keep morale up with Gunther going uh keep sponsors interested because Gunther is such a big personality and then also get the results that Gene clearly thinks that team can get Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? 
your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. So Gene said it came down to performance. Here we are in our eighth year, over 160 races. We have never had a podium. The last couple of years, we've been 10th or 9th, as you mentioned, Laz. He said, it's really all about winning. We have a great team. We have great engines. We have really great drivers. There's no reason why we are 10th. I can't understand how we can be with all the equipment and the people that we have. Nate, now that you've heard you know, his comments to the media, what do you make of them? Strange, isn't it? Because the bit that stands out to me there is with all the equipment and the people we have and the big mm-hmm. crux of the issue, as we understand it, as and, and as Lawrence kind of um, laid out there, Gunther's not happy with the equipment and the resources. That's one of the biggest kind of bugbears that he's had. You know, if you talk to people in the team, I think we, you know, for people who heard last week's episode, apologies, it's kind of, you're probably hearing me say the same thing again. Um, but you know, a lot of the time they say that they're using equipment that's a lot older than their rivals are using. You know, the, the the factory at Banbury is a lot older than a lot of their rivals. So this is stuff that he's saying with all the equipment and the people we have in the modern landscape of Formula One, you know, with this cost cap that was meant to bring teams like Haas to the fore. I don't think, really think that Gene Haas can, can stand behind a statement like that. So the <clears throat> the team is performing. I think that the, 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 the performance of the team is reflective of the ownership of the team at the moment. I think that that's a very fair way to look at it. So really, Gene Haas has, you know, kind of, Taken the uh, given the blame of all of that to to Gunther, when really I think you go one step above the rung and you go to him because ultimately, in this day and age of Formula One, with this cost cap, with you know revenue share as it is, you know the revenues are higher than they've been for well the entire time that the Haas has been in for sure. There's no excuse for you know for being 
10th, as he says, but the reasons behind it in his statement, I think are completely wrong. I think he needs to look inwards on himself. So interesting comments. And I think that, you know, now he's said that, now he's made it about performance. I think all the pressure is on Haas to kind of put his money where his mouth is, so to speak, and actually and actually live up to that. Because it's one thing getting rid of someone like Steiner, someone who's beloved within that team, has basically the face and the brain of the team since they started. Um, promoting from within, you know, is always comes with its own challenges. I think a guy like Komatsu's been there for a very long time. That's not always the, you know, the the best thing. You've got people suddenly who are working alongside a guy who suddenly are now reporting into him. You know, it's not always mm -hmm. not always something that works brilliantly. So it's going to be interesting. But yeah, that that comment when I read it, I thought, yeah, Pass not really reading the room. Gene Haas that is not really reading the room very well. Um, because yeah, it ultimately the buck has to stop with him, and I think he's the he's the you know obviously Steiner. Yeah, it's a results-based business. Steiner has to take some accountability for where the team is at. But I think I, I wrote it in the piece that um, is currently leading on the F1 index. You always felt like Steiner was almost, sorry, a little plug for my own work there on on our podcast. Um, uh, it always felt like he was kind of competing with one arm behind his back. You know, he couldn't fully utilize the, the arsenal that other team bosses and other teams could. And ultimately, the only person to blame there is Gene. So, yeah, I, I kind of... Yeah, kind of frowned a bit when I read that the first time that that quote came out. Laz, I think it's interesting your breakdown of the current Haas infrastructure. Are there any current teams on the grid who are set up similarly where their operations are kind of spread out or historically have there been teams that have found success with that kind of infrastructure? Not really. I mean, when Haas came in in 2016, it was almost like this is the new model of how a Formula okay. One team can work. And it's much closer to almost like a satellite team that you have in MotoGP, you know, where you're very reliant on on that team that you're connected to, in this case, between Haas and Ferrari. I guess the closest one is Alpha Tauri or whatever we're going to be calling them this year and Red Bull. Um, and in fact, they seem to put extra barriers in place historically between those two teams. Um, when they first started, that wasn't necessarily the case, but over the last few years. And in fact, what they're doing this year is they're trying to bring that closer together. So there's much more split of use of resources. But of course, the huge difference there is that you've got two teams owned by the same company. And therefore, it does make a certain amount of sense to have it that way. And also, there's a natural structure there in that Alpha Tauri um, are never really going to be in a position to compete with Red Bull because they are the junior of the two teams owned by the same company. Um, so that one, there was always a bit more logic. But I think, yeah, I, I think with uh, Haas and, and the model they have at the moment, it's, um, it is, for the reasons I said earlier, slightly outdated, I think, in, in modern F1. And it's just going to become hard for them to, to compete because... If you look at, um, say, Williams as an example, another team which has struggled massively uh, in and was in a similar situation to Haas in recent years, where a lot of the time it was a struggle for survival rather than, you know, meaningful ways of moving the team up the grid. Well, they now have their funding more or less in place, and already they're looking at ways in which they can uh, build on the infrastructure they have, their ageing infrastructure at Grove um, near Dicot in the UK, where they're based. And uh, one of the things that James Fowles, the Williams team principal, did recently was um, was lobby uh, the FIA to change the financial regulations to allow them to have more capital expenditure, so more expenditure on uh, on those facilities. And he managed to open up a bit of spending there. But it doesn't seem like Haas is willing to do the same thing. Uh, and, you know, I, I just don't, it's hard to know how, under a budget cap situation as well, how well they could you know, improve it. But, you know, that's why I'm not a team principal, I guess, uh, is because I, I don't have full insight of it and, and, and where the money would be best spent. 
But um, yeah, it, it, it's a tricky one. And the other thing that was interesting from Gene Hass's uh, interview with the Formula One website that came out the day after Gunter was announced uh, as, as leaving the team is that he said he has no interest in selling it or even selling a stake in it, like we've seen with um, Alpine recently, where they had those, you know, some very high-profile um, investors come in and 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 uh, and put money into the team, money which partly will go into the infrastructure of the team. And Gene has says, you know, I've I've no interest in that. You know, I, I want to run it my way. I don't want people coming in and telling me how it's done, and then also expecting a return in a few years and leaving the you know leaving the team, which apparently is what they've experienced when they've had these kind of conversations with potential investors so gene is very much committed to doing it his own way and i guess time will tell as to whether that's correct and whether perhaps some of the ways gunter was was managing the team weren't the most efficient way which is kind of what gene has suggested but um but i'm skeptical going into into this season that we're going to see a, a certainly a quick turnaround in in their fortunes it was interesting gunther also was able to talk to the media since the news broke. And he said he was stung by the news. And actually, he didn't get a chance to say goodbye to some of the Haas people that he had worked with for eight years, which uh, seems a bit unfair, quite frankly. But, you know, maybe that's just the nature of the business. You know, Nate, I know last week we talked about it. It's It's been a week since. Next steps for Gunther Steiner. Like, what's the most likely place, landing place we see, you know, him fall in the I think TV would be a no-brainer because he's so engaging and so much fun to watch, obviously, and drive to survive. Um, but I don't know the likelihood of that. No, I would absolutely uh, join you on that, Katie. I think him going back to a team boss role would almost feel like a bit of a loss because we've seen him do that before. <laughs> and he's so good. He's such an engaging character. Um, I think he could really have a unique kind of take on the sport. But also, it, if you think about a lot of other pundits, a lot we, a lot of pundits we get are kind of ex-drivers. You know, that's that tends to be. I'm not saying that's the only ones, but he he has that kind of unique insight, having led a team for so long, both pre and post COVID, and also having the, you know, the 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 personality that he does. Um, I think it'd be I think it'd be great. So I'm I'm you know hoping that is, um, the way. And from what I understand, I don't think he's really that keen to go back into, you know, day to day team management. I feel like he's done that. He might go back, you know, if, if if there is a team coming calling for him, maybe it will be a you know a, a wider role, a more consultancy based role. Just on that goodbye, actually, that caused a bit of a stir over the weekend because, in fairness to Steiner, he he um, upheld a commitment he had with the Autosport International uh, Awards Show. I think he would have been excused if he just called them up, you know, and said I'm not coming because they had him stand in front of uh, a Haas model car. So you know, he's literally standing in front of a car of the team that had just binned him off. Basically, um, I think the at the the actual reason he couldn't say goodbye was just timing he lives out in the states by the time this decision was made his contract had expired and gene didn't renew it and i think you can kind of understand from house's point of from gene house's point of view having steiner come back to the factory after you just named his successor you can see why gene house might not be you know willing to mm. have steiner come back it's just not if if, if you're ayokamatsu that would be quite under you know it, it would kind of undermine you a little bit if that happens so i totally understand why those things didn't happen. I think it was a mixture of timing and um, and just the circumstances of it. But I think, yeah, it's it's a shame it ended like that for him because he's been such. He, I mean, when I think of Haas, I think of Gunter Steiner. I don't think of Gene Haas. Yeah, you, know, you barely see it. We we're lucky if we see him in the paddock, you know, uh, week to week. So it kind of ended. It was a bit of a damp squib how it ended. But um, I don't think he's done yet. And um, yeah, I'm not sure how long his contract will keep him out of the paddock for. But um, yeah, watch this space. I think because I've heard some interesting 
suggestions about what he might do next. I it's been said multiple. Oh, sorry, Katie. I just say it's been said multiple times on social media, but I think it was said here first when we interviewed Gunter last year that stick him and Mattia Bonotto in a Fiat 500 yes. and let them tour vineyards across Europe. That would be great. Surely the best use of both of their time and will create the most viewing pleasure. So that's what a great show. Is, for what it's worth. Uh, well, Lawrence, you, um, I can't remember the, the name of the show, mate, but the, there's a show with two UK comedians. Steve Coogan and Rob Bryden, the trip, I think it's called. It's the trip. Uh, and they basically drive around England and they just, but they spend all this time in restaurants doing impressions. That's the vibe. If anyone wants to YouTube something tonight and watch some great British comedy, the trip with those guys. And that's how I see Benotto and Steiner, just with better accents uh, and just a bit more, yeah. a bit more of a niche topic of conversation. Um, but yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, I would, I would pay good money to watch that show. No doubt. Real quick, I think you said something interesting. When you think about Haas, you think Gunther Steiner. So, mm. Laz, I was I was pondering this last week when the news broke. Is it a detriment when the team principal maybe is bigger than the drivers, bigger than the team itself? I, I felt like at some point he became such a star. Do you think that that is a hard dynamic to work through, or am I reading too much into that? Uh, I think no, I think you might be right. I think it's even harder when when he then leaves because I remember one of the questions, and it wasn't, it was a quite serious question when MoneyGram, Haas's title mm -hmm. sponsor, came on board. Is are you investing in Haas or are you invent, investing in like Brand Steiner? And um, you know, and the answer was kind of like, well, you know, a bit of a combination of both. Of course, Haas the team, but I think there was an indication there that you know part of the reason that MoneyGram got so excited about Haas was the exposure that they get through Netflix Drive to Survive and MoneyGram being an American-based company, I think, you know, the fact that that's had such success in the US uh, was a key factor. And Gunter, along with Daniel Ricciardo, you know, and maybe one or two others are, are the key characters that Netflix always went back to for great content. So one, I hope that Netflix can give Gunter a, a farewell in some way um, in whatever series it pops up in. I guess it would be not this one coming up, but the one after um but but secondly i think it is a i think it's a big loss for Haas to lose uh someone like that and perhaps perhaps you know that was part of gene's thinking was the long term you know this can't really become it's you know gene's name above the door it's not gunter's and maybe maybe that was part of the thinking as well long term but um it does seem that i think above all else yeah the, the reason is stuff we've talked about just maybe two different views in the way that the team should be going forward and then the disappointment that gene has has had and was very vocal about in the results last year and particularly the upgrade package that came at the us grand prix last year that just did not perform to the point that won the cars later in the season i think nico hulkenberg's reverted to the old kind of package uh, rather than the update package which is never a great sign for a Formula one team so i think it was all those things combined that that, that came to it but who knows i mean i don't want to you know put words in gene Haas's mouth but i do wonder if yeah, yeah gunter's popularity long term was a bit of a concern because yeah he does start to become bigger than the team speaking of another popular team principal we've got some other news uh toto wolf and Mercedes have agreed on a new deal. So he will remain team principal at Mercedes through 2026. I don't know if this is all that surprising, but Laz, there was maybe some speculation at the end of last season that they might not come to terms and get this done. Yeah, I think it was more um, the fact that Mercedes has underperformed two seasons in a row. And um, the changes at the top at Mercedes and the people that have left you know, you think uh, James Vowles, uh, Mike Elliott, who was the technical director, 
um, until the end of last year or midway through the year. And then he moved into chief technical officer and then left the team completely at the end of last year. And I think there were just some questions about, you know, is, is, is the direction this team going in the correct one? Now, the reality, I think, is behind the scenes, actually, a lot of those changes, I mean, the James Vowles one was was hard to control because he went to become Williams' team principal and Mercedes couldn't offer him that. But I think a lot of these changes, you know, are part of of, of a new direction that Mercedes are hoping to take at the start of this year. Uh, and the other factor, of course, being that Toto Wolff is an owner of the Mercedes Formula One team. He owns one third of it, along with the Mercedes car company owning a third and Ineos chemical company, um, which is owned by Jim Ratcliffe, uh, owning a third as well. So I think, yeah, there was just questions that maybe it was time for a shakeup at the very top. But um, I think that shakeup has kind of happened already under Toto's watch. And, you know, actually Toto wants to make sure that all the changes that are happening at the moment uh, are put in place in the right way and there is a level of continuity in him that makes sure that it continues in the right direction but um yeah i i don't think it's a huge surprise that you know he's announced that he's there for another three years at the very least um and uh, i think it also underlines his hunger um which i think was one of the other reasons people were questioning you know he doesn't always go to every race now which is quite unusual for a team principal and um you know he's got a lot of other things on his on his plate as well. But um, I think it does underline that, you know, he he is still committed to this team and uh, he's going to stay there. And obviously his goal is to make sure by 2026, at the very latest, that team is back challenging for championships. Um, and of course, he'll try and do it in the next two years before. I thought it was interesting. Um, Red Bull sim driver, Jake Dennis, he told fans what they can expect from the RB20. And he said, we've got an extremely fast race car again uh, at the Red Bull team. So, okay, shocker there. He said, I would expect us to become champions again, unless someone like Ferrari or Mercedes somehow manages to find about a second per lap overnight. I think it's going to be quite a dull season in Formula One with Max probably dominating again. Nate, what say you? Is that the expectation you have if the RB20 is as fast as Jake Dennis says? Or do you do you foresee Ferrari, Mercedes, McLaren making making up some ground here? Well, <clears throat> I've got two parts to this answer. One is one is uh, okay. potentially shows my my view on Formula E. But I think Jake Dennis is coming at that as a spokesperson from Formula E rather than just a, a Red Bull driver. I think he's saying Formula One's going to be so rubbish this year. AKA you should watch Formula E, which in my opinion <laughs> you'd be better off not doing. Um, but I don't think there's any re- I don't think there's any reason to doubt what he's saying either, purely because we saw how far ahead Red Bull was last year. Obviously, we talked about the fact that um they decided, to, you know, they've turned their attention to this year's car so early. Max is just on another level in terms of you know his form. I mean, how good he was in 2021 was one thing. 22, he stepped that up a notch, and then last season. I mean, he just destroyed Sergio Perez, you know, it, it never, other than Singapore and a handful of other races, obviously, that Perez won, never really felt like Max was, was you know, ever under serious pressure to lose. So I think with that combination, you've got to expect that Max is going to win a lot of races this year. Um, and I think I predicted it at the end of last season. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he beats his own record again this year, just because of where that team is. You know, as an operation, as a race operation, it's the best on the grid right now. You know, they very rarely take missteps when it comes to upgrading the car. Um, so yeah, I, I I I agree with Jake Dennis, but I think his um his statement was probably more as a a pitch for Formula E. But um, but to be fair to him, he would know better than a lot of people, given the fact that he has that insight into the 
um, into the team. Obviously, it's in it. You know, I don't think he'd be in a position to say that. You know, we've made a terrible, <laughs> terrible mistake on development and we've gone the wrong way. Obviously, we'll see a month from now when when they're testing. But it would take something pretty monumental for Red Bull not to be, not to be, you know, firmly in front. And we saw this with Mercedes. You know, when Mercedes got out in front in 2014, they stayed there for years. They had a great car to build on. They had Lewis driving brilliantly for a lot of that time. And Red Bull have the same thing. It's just a formula. And, you know, similar if you go back to Schumacher and Ferrari, you know, almost it's like a cascade effect, isn't it? It just gets better and better and better. But for the rivals, it just gets further and further away. So I hope I'm wrong, obviously. But I think um, if there is any convergence towards things, I think it'll be closer. Sorry, convergence towards Red Bull. I think we'll get that, you know, going into 2025, you know, maybe towards the end of this year rather than in a meaningful way this season. But um Maybe last year just killed killed all of my optimism. I don't know because I sound quite pessimistic saying all that. You do. Yeah. Hey, if Max if Max doesn't win the first race, I'll reverse all of that. But you know, you just okay. got to be realistic at this point. Lawrence, um, I'll give you the floor to maybe change our minds and get us excited for the season for different ways. Do you have any confidence that Ferrari, Mercedes, or McLaren can uh, make up some ground here? Yeah, I, I do. I'm probably a hopeless okay. optimist in this. And uh, maybe I'm kidding myself just to kind of make sure that, yeah, I'm still in this position in a year's time and I haven't got bored in there. <laughs> but no, I think, no, I, I think it will converge. I think it will converge. Because um, some of the mistakes that Ferrari and Mercedes made in their concepts right from the very start have slowly been unpicked and understood. And I feel like, um, there's a potential step to be made. And yeah, to go back to Jake Dennis's quote, I don't know how seriously we take it and all that kind of stuff. And he says they need to find a second Palap. And that is a huge amount. Uh, certainly if it's relative to Red Bull, that is a, an, an awful lot because Red Bull will make a step over the winter as well. Let's not forget. But then if you look at, say, what McLaren did midway through last year uh, from the first race uh, with uh, upgrade of Baku, which was kind of like a very much baseline upgrade, and then a serious upgrade in Austria and then continuous upgrades throughout the year, you know, they relative to Red Bull, they did find about kind of 0.8, maybe even a second um, in performance uh, over over that period of time. So if you find if you go for a big concept change and you get it right and you can start to, you know, dig away at performance, whereas previously you were coming up against all sorts of roadblocks, then um, then that does deliver deliver a lot of potential. And that's that's my hope is that what Ferrari and Mercedes have found since changing their concepts is enough to take a big step. Whereas undoubtedly Red Bull will make a step again uh, because, you know, they're an incredibly good Formula One team. Perhaps, you know, the the size of the step they can take, considering they're more likely to stick with a very similar concept going forward, uh, could be smaller. And that's the kind of convergence that we tend to expect and sometimes see, not always, but sometimes see in, in regulations, the longer they, they stay the same. So, um, so that's my hope. Um, I may well be wrong, but yeah, I'm at least going to go into the season. Even we haven't even seen a car launch yet, so I'm at least going to, at this stage, retain <laughs> yeah. some optimism <laughs> that there could be a challenge for the championship. I just want to clarify: that's my hope as well. It's not. It's not my hope that Red, but Max does win every race. Um, but, I, uh, uh, I like the balance between the two of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, yeah. The I think Lawrence is right in the fact that. Over the course of a year, I'd be surprised if, let's say, Red Bull are way ahead. I'd be really surprised mm -hmm. if they finished the year in as dominant shape because I think we, what we did see last year is every team as they made an upgrade, mm -hmm. at least at some point, you know, bar bar the Haas one we mentioned earlier, people seem to be making steps forward 
in a tangible way every time. So I think that we are starting to see that now. So hopefully that continues. Last but not least, we have livery launches. We know all the livery launch dates, I believe, besides Haas at this moment. So I'd ask you before we go, which launch are you most excited for? Laz, I'll start with you. Well, yeah, so some of these are just the livery. Others are the actual car. And I'm optimistic that at Ferrari and Mercedes, which happen uh, on consecutive days, February 13th and February 14th, we should see the actual car. And then we will get to see how much those concepts have changed visually. I mean, a lot of it, as we know, with these current cars happens on the underfloor and, you know, the way the suspension is set up. But we'll get some little clues, at least, and things we can start to get excited about um, the changes. And then, of course, the cars will change their appearance again, going into testing and again before the first race. But we might be able to get these little clues of, ah, Mercedes are trying to do something that Red Bull have been doing for the last two years, or wow, they've come up with a completely novel new idea again. Fingers crossed it works this time. I think it's always fun when we get new looking cars and hopefully, fingers crossed. And Lawrence missed a great opportunity earlier when he was talking about teams buying a stake in a in a race team. He didn't mention Salva. But Salva this year obviously have been Alfa Romeo since 2019. They are now stake F1. And hopefully, I mean, their, their, their social media activation around it's been a bit weird, but you they will look different to what they looked last year. And like, I always find that kind of fun. You get a new looking car, hopefully some new colors on the grid. So looking forward to that one. Um, and then how can you not look forward to Ferrari's launch every year? It's just, you know, it's always exciting. And I think I like, you know, the just the way it's looked in previous years. And there's always, they always kind of, kind of tempt everyone into believing that maybe they're going to you know put put a bit more white or a bit more yellow on the car and they never do it always kind of looks the same doesn't it you know like they it was it the monza livery last year or the year before yeah that was cool. if they if they rolled that out this year i'd be that would be the best livery for a long long time so we'll see um but even if they don't still pretty strong pretty strong effort I do look forward to Red Bull's launch on February 15th just because we were there a year ago for the RB19 mm. launch and you're trying to stand there and see the differences between the cars. Like I'm excited to see if we see any difference whatsoever in that car. And I'm not saying that they need a difference because obviously whatever they're doing is clearly working um, on mega levels, but I do look forward to February 15th. And it's, yeah, it's kind of mad, isn't it? Cause before 2022, that was such a standout year for launches mm -hmm. because the car concepts all look so different. And to Lawrence's point there about, you know, we we are seeing teams. It always happens. Teams converge around, you know, the the the, the class leading team. It'd be fascinating to see the evolution of some of those cars from twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. I mean, Mercedes will be a great example. Ferrari as well. I mean, Ferrari. They you know their car was the one everyone was kind of obsessed about in twenty twenty two when it came out. It just looked absolutely amazing. Um, so I assume a lot of you know we some very cool uh, side by sides coming out at that point. Yeah, Rebel always hide quite a lot. So, um, you know, there's some very selective images and they often do kind of rendered images. So not a, a true photo of the car, but a kind of CGI version of it. And then you get to the test and you're like, oh, wow, you know, that wasn't at all obvious from because you see the car mm. in real life. You think, oh, wow, that wasn't at all obvious from the photos. So, yeah, I mean, as, as sad as it is, I still, after how many years of doing this job, still get weirdly excited around this time of year. But, um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll have to wait and see what comes up. How about yep. you, Katie? Which which car livery has been your favorite? Which one are you most looking forward to? Well, I want to see Red Bull, obviously, to see if they make any differences. Mm. But to your point about Ferrari, I just don't think you can. I love last year. Wasn't it on Valentine's Day? It just made perfect sense. Now it's a, it's yeah. a day early. 
But yeah, it was like a live streamed yeah. event and everyone was really happy for a day. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I'm also, <laughs> I don't mean to be rude, but I feel like sometimes we, as uh, media members, we pick apart just the execution and the production of some of these mm. launches. Some are really well done and get it like, hey, get in, get out. There's excitement, drudge it up, get everybody going, show the car, be done with it. Some of them just drag it on and on and on. And I'm like, what yeah. are we doing? You're losing the audience, you know, strike fast. So I'll be curious to see kind of the methods of the madness from team to team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah, sometimes you hear you hear so many sponsors and partner names. By the end, you're just like, I don't, I don't need to hear all this stuff. But you remember that a lot of the launches are a corporate exercise as much as a, you oh, know, a fan sure. service. So um yeah. No doubt. But uh I I I think that the the media and the kind of social media reaction to launches is always quite entertaining, especially when you're in it. Because it yeah. if you're British, it quite quickly goes to complete outright cynicism. And I noticed that a lot of my American friends are like, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And us Brits are like, this was all terrible. It was tacky. It was when really it was like, you know, an amazing thing. So, um, yeah, I've got to I've got to take a step back and not be so British about this this year's launches. Yeah. Americans a bit naive and not quite as jaded yet, but give them time. <laughs> Jaded's perfect <laughs> word for it. <laughs> as always, thank you both for your time and your analysis. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening, watching, watching wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, like, subscribe uh, to ESPN for more F1 content. And we'll be back with more news in Formula One next week. Cheers, guys.